You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what is going on? As always, it is your boy, your host, Sosa Cremendez. I'm a fantasy analyst at PFF and your host here at the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams and part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to your Friday episode. Before we dive into it, I wanted to remind you guys that NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host Lockdowns Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the NFL, covering all the latest news and insight on every game, team, and move around the NFL. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to your Friday episode here at the Locked On Rams pod, our last of the week. And of course, I mentioned it on yesterday's episode. We're finally back to our mailbag Friday episode. We skipped it last week because the Rams finally kicked off their training camp practices. So we couldn't really get to it. We had to cover the training camp stuff, but we're finally back. And you guys have peppered me with a lot of good questions. So I have no time to waste here. We're going to dive right into them, and there are a bunch. So we'll begin from the top down and work our way throughout all of them. The first one is from at KevRock77. He said, am I crazy to think that Xavier Jones will take the starting job from Henderson relatively early in the season? I wouldn't necessarily say you're crazy. Uh, I don't agree. I think Daryl Henderson is just a really good football player, and I just can't see him losing that job. If he does, I don't think it's going to be very early in the season either because the Rams are a team that like to trust the talent that they have. And if for whatever reason, Henderson is not getting the job done and Xavier Jones, like you said, is maybe just playing a lot better, I still think there's going to be some sort of a work share. And if that's the case, it might take until week seven, week eight, week nine, something like that to finally hand over the reins fully to an undrafted free agent in Xavier Jones. So I don't think you're crazy, but at the same time, I don't think it's going to happen. But I guess at the end of the day, nothing would shock me right now. And I do think that I'm probably personally higher on Xavier Jones than most people are. The next one is from my guy, JB, at JB underscore peoples. He said, if we didn't trade for Stafford, do you think there would have been a quarterback position battle going on in camp right now? And I think there probably would have, but I might go on a limb here and say, I don't think Jared Goff would be in that battle. I really don't think he was going to come back to the Rams To me, it seemed like they were 100% over that experience. They were ready to move past it. And, you know, had they not been able to get Stafford, my assumption is they maybe would have either traded up to go get a quarterback or they would have just dumped Goff off somewhere else, maybe secured a first-round pick and went a different route, maybe a Deshaun Watson type of route. I'm not 100% certain. Maybe a Sam Darnold, maybe John Wolford for a year. I'm not certain on that, but I do think there would have been some sort of camp battle between John Wolford and another name, But I'm really, really certain, in my opinion at least, that I don't think it would have been Jared Goff. To me, it felt like the Rams were 100% over that experience. And I think Sean McVay sort of alluding to it the entire offseason. The next one is from at Grisanti915. He said, who do you think ultimately starts at the inside linebacker positions? Or do you see that position group as a revolving door until someone solidifies themselves during the season? And that is a good question. I think that revolving door is sort of happening right now. The Rams seem like they're trying out a bunch of different formations with these guys and pairings. You might see, you know, Traven Howard and Ernest Jones one day. You might see Micah Kaiser and Kenny Young one day. And there's obviously a bunch more names. You got Detroit Readers, the Christian Rosebooms, all these different guys. Now, in my opinion, 
I tend to think it's going to be Traven Howard and Ernest Jones, the third round rookie. I think they're the best pairing in terms of trying to get your bases covered in coverage, as well as trying to be, you know, solidified in the running game as well. Of course, Howard being the superior coverage player and Jones being the better run stuffer, but maybe, maybe Jones is actually a good coverage player too, because throughout these practices, he's gotten close to, you know, a handful of interceptions. So maybe he's developed in that regard. And I tend to think that the Rams drafted this guy early for a reason. And Howard, like I mentioned, is just the most athletic player of the bunch. So I tend to go that way. It seems like Jordan Rodriguez sort of agrees. I think she also said that, you know, the Howard Ernest Jones pairing is one that she really likes too. So I've been saying that for a while. Maybe I'm right on that front. We'll see. Of course, the preseason games are going to be very important in terms of that revolving door, like you said, to help decide who might get the first crack at this job. But I really do think it's going to be those two. The next one and the final one for this segment was from at LA Ramsey 46. He said, if you had to take a guess, how long do you think Sean McVay will be our head coach? Obviously, we want a long time. That's a good question and something that's so hard to answer because I was sort of formulating in my mind what I want to say, you know, how long will he be the head coach? And then I sort of put myself in the shoes of a Philadelphia Eagles fan and just thought about the whole Doug Peterson situation, right? You go back to 2017. Doug Peterson, I believe that was his second year as a head coach, and this guy wins a Super Bowl, the first Super Bowl for the Philadelphia Eagles in their history. Imagine telling the fans and the franchise at that point in time that just three years later, this guy was going to be fired. I mean, that did not seem possible. You look at the quarterback, I mean, imagine seeing Carson Wentz playing at an MVP level that season and suggesting the same thing to fans, saying that this guy was going to get dumped off to the Indianapolis Colts in three years. Things happen and they move fast in the NFL. So I'm very uncomfortable in trying to guess. I mean, I feel like it would literally just be a purely random guess. In terms of Sean McVay, you know, I love this guy. I think he's just such a good head coach, a tremendous leader. He's very good at delegating tasks to the rest of his coaching staff. He knows how to find guys that are similar to him in terms of, you know, his philosophy, his coaching tree, things like that. He knows how to replace the coaches. We know that. We've seen that you know, throughout the past three or four off seasons, continuously losing coaches. So I tend to think this guy's going to have a very long tenure and a very successful one. So if you had to make me guess, I'm going to say it's going to be something like that Mike Tomlin, Bill Belichick type of route where this guy will hit double digits with the Rams. I think he's going to crack that 10 year mark at that point. It's anyone's guess, but I'm going to say at least 10 years for Sean McVay as the head coach for the Los Angeles Rams. Of course, that's not going to do it for the questions. You guys sent over so many good ones. We're going to dive into some interesting ones in the next segment. Some stuff about Tutu Atwell, Justin Hollins, maybe the tight end position. So make sure to stick around for that. And of course, as always, you can come connect with us on Twitter for all the coverage you need on the Los Angeles Rams. You can find me at QB's MVP and the page at Locked on Rams. I feel like the fitness industry is designed to confuse all of us and make this journey unnecessarily hard and much tougher than it needs to be. At the end of the day, you just got to get your protein goals in and move any weight that you prefer and you will have success. And I know that personally because I've lost 155 pounds over the last two and a half, three years at this point. And I found a company called the Built Bar. I'm telling you, they make the best protein bars by far on the market. They're absolutely delicious and their texture is unlike any other protein bar. And I've tried all of the other ones. The bars are also healthy. They're low in calories, low in sugar. They have 19 grams of protein per bar. They're high in fiber, and they even work for you if you are on the keto diet. You'll even get a free cooler with your purchase while the supplies last. All you have to do is just go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. 
Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back to the second segment of this Mailbag Friday episode of the Locked on Rams podcast. I want to just start off by saying thank you guys for always submitting these questions. I feel like this week's questions are arguably the best we've gotten over the course of the last year since I've been doing this. They are so good, so I want to try to get through all of them. No more time to waste. Let's dive right back into it. This next one is from at the other Garth. He said, are you as worried about Tutu Atwell's size as everyone else seems to be? I have to be completely honest. I wasn't at all until I saw him walking on the field today. He looked tiny holding that helmet. And I know what picture and video you're talking about. Man, he looked very, very frail. I mean, that's just the case for this guy. I'm not necessarily concerned about it because... You know, at worst, he just has injury issues, and there's really nothing we can do about that. But the Rams obviously have a plan for this guy. They obviously think that he's going to stay healthy, and they're going to be able to utilize him in whichever role they have planned for him. Maybe that's not, you know, 70 or 90 receptions in a year like a Robert Woods. Maybe that's just a specialty type of player. You could make the case that that's probably not worth taking in the second round, but I don't know. I'm not in those coaches' meetings. I don't know for sure what they have planned for this guy. I'm going to trust him on this one, but I definitely do understand where you're coming from too. That guy looks frail. Man, he looks skinny, and it's always going to be something dangerous when you're watching this guy in the open field with you know some big defender absolutely gunning for him, trying to lay him out. I know that's going to be a situation where I'm going to hold my breath every time, but there's nothing we can do about that right now. The next one is from at Brian Teds. He said, do you think that the Rams will draft another running back next year? Man, I sure hope not because they continue to take running backs year after year. And at this point, it's like, when are you going to learn? You know, I understand if they take one in the fourth or fifth or sixth round or on day three of the draft, that's always a good shot. But at the same time, you look at the Todd Gurley experience, his knee goes away and then, you know, his career is basically over. And then you look at Cam Akers now, tremendous, tremendous talent, but you see how physical and hard it is to hold up at this position. This guy, I mean, he tore his Achilles. Now, is he ever going to be the same player? You know, I'm an optimistic person, so I tend to think that he absolutely can be. But at the same time, it's like, you look around the league, how often is a running back pulling a Derrick Henry where they're touching the ball 300 times in a season and they're staying healthy the entire year? It hardly ever happens. You look at Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, both lost last season. Dalvin Cook, continuously injured. All these big name running backs, none of them can stay healthy. And it's not necessarily their fault. It's not like these guys aren't conditioned properly or they're not preparing properly. It's just because this position takes such a brutal beating. I mean, if you're touching the football 20 times and you got to block another seven times, you're going to get hit 30 times by a lot of different dudes in a lot of different places. So that is one of the biggest issues when it comes to this position. So you could make the case that it might make sense for the Rams to take another round five, six, seven dart throw to try and prolong these guys' careers, but I would definitely hope not in the first day or second day of the draft. I'm going to go with these next three from my guy at Rams fan 2800 Johnny Lorette. Thank you for always listening. He said, what is the reality of Xavier Jones and Jake Funk carrying the load behind Hendo? I think it's very realistic. I know for a fact that the Rams are not just going to trot out Daryl Henderson out there and give him 25 touches a game like Cam Akers saw last year in that Patriots game where he ran the ball 29 times. Now, that might happen once, you know, or maybe twice in a blue moon type of thing, but that is definitely not going to be something that we should get used to. So I'm not expecting that, but at the same time, he's still going to lead the way. You know, he might get 15 to 18 touches per game with the other guys, like you mentioned, Xavier Jones, Jake Funk. 
maybe scooping up another 5 to 10 or 12 touches per game as well. I truly believe it's going to be somewhat of a timeshare. If I had to take a stab at guessing how much, maybe a 60 to 40% or 65 to 35% type of timeshare, in my opinion. The second one from Johnny, he said, how is Oboe looking in camp? Do you think he can win the starting job? I haven't really heard much about Oboe Okoronkwo. Now, I want to preface that by saying it's very hard to evaluate offensive linemen and defensive linemen until those pads come on. And of course, we've only had two padded practices to this point. So, you know, it's very hard for these guys to stand out. You can't really be physical and their job is pretty much 99% physical. So it's hard to evaluate in that regard. And I haven't really heard much about him. I'm not going to necessarily assume that means anything bad. But, you know, at the same time, you're hearing some good things about Justin Hollins, who he's presumably fighting for a job with. I mean, it sounds like the Rams are going to go with Hollins first. I still tend to believe Oboe is significantly better as a pass rusher, probably not as complete of a player as Hollins is. And that's why Hollins is likely going to start because he's better against the run, can hold up against the edge there versus Oboe, who I think is probably, and I talked about this before, the best pure pass rusher on the team. I really do think he's got that kind of capability, and I'm going to be super excited to see, you know, can he stand up throughout the preseason? Is he going to get any opportunities to rush the passer and pin his ears back a little bit? Or are the Rams going to kind of shelve him and just wait for the regular season and then sort of unleash this guy as a pass rusher? I'm not sure, but I really do think Oboe might be the best pass rusher among all the edge rushers. The last one from my guy, Johnny, he said, can Jacob Harris still have a meaningful season after all of the time that he missed at the start of training camp? And I think absolutely. You know, I'm not very concerned about him missing time, especially when you look at the other names at tight end. Of course, Tyler Higby is the guy at this position. He's going to get his. After him, that's where things start to get a little bit interesting. We haven't heard much about Bryson Hopkins, which is probably not good. It sounds like he's just blocking at this point, not really doing much as a receiver, which, you know, you would expect this guy to sort of try to run away with that tight end two job. So that's not good for him. Sounds like Johnny Munt has had a much better camp to this point, but Johnny Munt doesn't have the same athleticism and doesn't offer the same skill set as Jacob Harris does. Now, Munt is the best blocker of the bunch, and I think that's going to keep him relevant and get him some sort of a role and some playing time this season. But he's not the guy that you're going to be throwing, you know, lobs to or fades to in the red zone. He is not the guy you're going to line up out wide and tell him, go beat this guy. I need a big play in the passing game. That is absolutely not his game. So if the Rams want to try and utilize a big body, maybe down there in the red zone, maybe as a guy that they can flex out wide and try to get a matchup advantage type of situation. That is absolutely where Jacob Harris can win. And I tend to believe that even though he missed a few practices and a little bit of time, he's absolutely still going to have somewhat of a role in this season. And if Bryson Hopkins can't develop in any regard, then maybe Harris is going to be seeing a bigger usage rate than we expected. It's going to do it for this second segment of the Mailbag Friday episode. Make sure to stick around for the final one because there are a handful of few more juicy questions talking about the safety position as well as the wide receivers. So make sure to tune in for that. And of course, make sure to come back to us here next week when we continue our coverage for the Los Angeles Rams and finally get to preview their first preseason game. Betting on the NFL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team, favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the final segment here of the Friday episode of the Locked on Rams pod. 
as always, I appreciate you guys plenty for shooting over these questions. And let's just dive right back into them because we have a few more to get through and they're good. So first one up is from my guy, Will Carella, man, at Will Carella, the GOAT. This guy's always, always participating. I appreciate you, brother. He said, it seems like the staff is letting Justin Hollins get the first crack at starting opposite of Leonard Floyd this year. He played well as a rotational guy last year. Do you think he has the kind of upside to be a full-time starter? And I guess it really depends on what the question is, because if we're talking about, can this guy play on early downs because he can play against the run, then I absolutely think he can. But if we're talking about, you know, can this guy be a player that can be like a Leonard Floyd in terms of the talent? Can he reach double-digit sacks? Do you think there's a lot more in terms of the potential there? You know, I really don't. I think he's just an early down type of starter. You're going to want him out there as opposed to a guy like Obo Okoronkwo, who's a better pass rusher. He's probably not as good against the run. So I tend to think that that's why he's going to start. But I don't think he's a better player than Obo Okoronkwo personally. Of course, we only got to see one season of him with the Rams last year. And maybe he developed a bunch of stuff over the offseason. We haven't gotten to see him pull out those tricks in his bag just yet. So maybe there's something there. But I think he's just your solid average starter. He's not really going to be nothing more. He's not really going to be a big liability. You can rely on him, but he's never really going to have any of those crazy flashy plays. And that's why I tend to think that Oboe is just a better player. The next one's from Eladio 62 Lalo. He said, Sosa, can we expect Higby to get more passes his way this season? During one stretch, he looked like our version of Kittle or Kelsey, and then he faded in terms of the receptions. And, you know, based off of just the regular box score numbers, you would think that he would see a little bit more usage because he had 44 receptions last year on 60 targets and Gerald Everett basically had the exact same. So he's no longer here, of course. He's with the Seattle Seahawks now and the Rams don't really look like they have a guy that's going to get as big of a role as Everett had in that tight end room. So theoretically speaking, some of those targets could be soaked up by Higby, but I'm just really trying to project how are they going to split up the throws and the targets throughout their entire roster this year because they have more talent at wide receiver. They probably want to throw the running backs a little bit more than they did last year. Of course, you mentioned Tyler Higby. Do they want to utilize the Jacob Harris? They have so many different options. And not only that, but Matthew Stafford plays a different game than Jared Goff does. You know, I broke down the numbers and he throws to his running backs a lot more often than Jared Goff did. And so that makes me think about, you know, is he going to want to target these positions in this kind of way where is he going to utilize this type of a player it's really fascinating to think about just based off of the box score statistics and the removal of Gerald Everett of course I tend to think that Higby should get more than 44 receptions and he probably will but at the same time Sean McVay's offense has never really utilized the tight ends to a huge degree at least not with the Rams in my opinion so that might not be something that they're looking forward to trying but at the same time Higby is a really good player Stafford had TJ Hawkinson in Detroit. He knew how to utilize him. And I do think he's going to end a season with more than 44 receptions. The next one is from at Gabe underscore Rieske. He said, can you compare Jordan Fuller to Taylor Rapp and what roles or workload can we expect from each of these guys? And if you think Fuller will be wearing the green dot this season, first things first, I do think that Jordan Fuller will get the green dot on his helmet. I do think he's very ready for that type of role. A great leader, a great guy, a smart football player. That leads me to believe he is perfect for this role. Now, in terms of Jordan Fuller and Taylor Rapp, I think Taylor Rapp is like your sort of a Mark Barron style of player where you want this guy as close to the line of scrimmage as possible. That's where he's best at. 
Coming out of college, he was never a good, you know, deep safety. That's not what he did well. This guy, he can cover tight ends man on man, and he can play around the line of scrimmage as a pseudo linebacker, basically just a smaller size linebacker. Very, very good in pursuit angles. Very good tackler. Very good in open space. And I really like him in that role versus Jordan Fuller, who I think is probably a little bit more complete of a safety. This is a guy you're going to feel good about moving backwards, right? So what I mean by that is Taylor Rapp, you don't really want him turning his back and having to go backwards. You want him playing in front. Everything that he sees in front, that's where you want him attacking versus Jordan Fuller, who's probably a little bit better on the back end in terms of playing, you know, split safety type of coverages, cover two, cover four. I also think Jordan Fuller can cover tight ends man on man, but it's probably not as good as Taylor Rapp in that regard. So that's kind of where I think they're best at. I think Fuller, your better deep safety, better zone style of player versus Taylor Rapp. You want him closer to the line of scrimmage. Let him be physical. Let him make tackles in open space and let him run and chase because that's where he's best at. So I hope that kind of explained the differences between those two guys. The second to last question here from my guy at J underscore B underscore Ryan He said, what is the minimum the following players need to achieve this season to make their trade or pick good value? Could be stats, record, or even just what they need to do to pass the eye test. Matthew Stafford, Tutu Atwell, and Van Jefferson. And man, this is a really, really good question and a very tough one to answer. I mean, I could go a million different ways here, but when I think about it, like Matthew Stafford, for example, if he throws for 6,000 yards and 48 touchdowns this year, That would obviously be a legendary type of season for the quarterback position. But if the Rams lose in one playoff game and they made it to the wildcard round and immediately lose that game, is it really worth anything? You know, like, is anyone really going to think about that? Or would you rather have a Jared Goff-like season from last year and win a Super Bowl, right? Because that's what I would prefer. To me, it's about the team at the end of the day. Yeah, I know at the end of the day, the statistics for individual players is always going to be something we note and talk about. But the Rams made these moves with the intent to get to a Super Bowl and to get a ring. So for Matthew Stafford, I don't think it's necessarily fair to say the Rams need to win a ring. Otherwise, it was a waste. But as long as he can be what he was in Detroit, I think it's a success. And if the Rams happen to win three playoff games and go to the Super Bowl, then great. And if they lose, you know, the first playoff game and they still scored 57 points in that game because Matthew Stafford was lights out, but somehow lost because the defense sucked. Is it really his fault? You know, so for me, Stafford doesn't have to do anything crazy. Just be the guy you were in Detroit. If you can be better than that, great. Of course, that would return even more ROI for the Rams. But at the end of the day, I just don't think it's fair to place any kind of crazy expectation on him. Now, the other two, you got to expect a lot less from these guys. For me, what I would be happy with from this season, when you look at Tutu Atwell, if he can have a few explosive plays, you know, 20, 30, 40 yard gains, maybe two, three, four of those type of gains. Be solid on your punt returns. Don't fumble the ball. Don't do anything silly. Don't try to make plays and get all these silly mistakes going because of it. Be very solid. You know, average seven, eight, nine, ten 10 yards of punt return. Have a few of those jet sweeps. Go for nice 10 or 15 yard gains. And at the end of the year, you know, if you can have 250 yards as a player from scrimmage, as well as another couple hundred yards as a punt returner, that would, for me, be a very good season for him. But at the end of the day, it's going to be hard to prove all the people that doubted this pick wrong because he was drafted early and he's probably not going to get a ton of footballs. Now, the last one in Van Jefferson, this one is the toughest, in my opinion, probably because I expect a lot out of him as a player because I just think he's such a talented player. But at the same time, 
he's not going to get many snaps, I don't think. Like, to me, it seems a lot easier to find a lot of snaps or a type of role for a guy like Tutu Atwell, who's going to have a very specified type of role. Like I mentioned, the punt returns, the jet sweeps, some of those deep shots versus Van Jefferson, who, you know, he's a little bit like Robert Woods, a little bit like Cooper Cup. Is there a way that you can actually find a bunch of snaps for this guy? And if you do, what are we expecting out of him? It's just so hard to say. I think at the end of the day, as long as he can get out there, you know, catch most of his receptions, convert a couple of first downs, not really have any drop off from him versus the other guys like Deshaun Jackson, especially because that's who he's going to be rotating with the most. That would be a successful and solid season for me. But you know, it's hard to say statistically. So this was a great question. And I had a lot of trouble answering it because it's just so many different ways you can go, I feel like. So at the end of the day, if the Rams can win a Super Bowl, all of their moves are justified. That's how I look at it. Bottom line, pretty much. Of course, there's still a few you're going to nitpick here or there, but you win a Super Bowl, you win a Super Bowl. Like it's the whole goal of the season. So that's going to really be the ultimate goal. Can they get to the playoffs? Can they get to the NFC Championship game? Can they look like one of those best teams that they should be? If they can do that, then everything is all well. And on to the final question from my guy, Jordan Vass at JVass23. He said, who do you expect to win MVP this year out of all the guys that have decent odds? And who would you place your money on? And that's a good question. I'm trying to pull up some of these odds right now. And I'm looking at them, you know, in terms of trying to make your money stretch or trying to make your money go, I would probably avoid some of those bigger names. Of course, we know Pat Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, and these guys have a good chance to do it. I'm going to stick at the quarterback position, of course, because these guys win it nine times out of 10. But I'm going to go a little bit unique, and I'm going to pick one of two players. I'm going to either go with Dak Prescott at plus 1,800 or Kyler Murray at plus 2,000. These guys are both in good offenses that are going to throw the football a lot. They're going to be on offenses that, in my opinion, are probably going to score a decent amount of points, especially the Cowboys there. And, of course, they have a lot of good receivers, pretty good head coaches. That's where my money is right now. I think if Dak Prescott plays all of last year, we're looking at a quarterback that could have won MVP had you know Aaron Rodgers not had the legendary season that he did. And Kyler Murray, of course, he has that rushing component as well. By far the second best rusher among all quarterbacks right behind Lamar Jackson. So that's where I would put my money on. I think you're getting decent enough odds to actually, you know, give you some winnings. But at the same time, you know, you're still kind of going out on a limb a little bit because nobody's really expecting either of these guys to be the front and dead center favorites, especially when it comes to the MVP award, when you have guys like Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes in the league. That's going to do it for this mailbag Friday episode of the Locked on Rams podcast. As always, I appreciate you guys so much for shooting over these questions. So much fun to answer them. And they were tremendous this week. So hopefully we can come back with the same kind of heat next week. We'll see. Just a reminder, you guys can come connect with us on Twitter at QB's MEP and at Locked on Rams. Make sure to check back in next week. We're going to continue our coverage for the Los Angeles Rams and finally dive into our preview for the first preseason game for the Rams. And please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more.